Welcome to the podcast for Windsor Road Baptist Church. Prepare your heart to receive God's message. Good morning. Chilly Sunday this morning. (laughs) Um, I hope everyone's doing well. Um, Have you ever been watching a movie and you have no idea what's going on? You've been watching it for a few hours and you still don't know what's going on. Are you watching it? You're invested, so you may as well keep watching. And then it gets to the last 10 minutes and there's an, a, a moment and everything makes sense. The whole movie makes sense. I don't know if you like psychological thrillers, but they often play this trick. Keeping you in suspense, keeping you curious, keeping you in the tension, And until just the right moment, they reveal something critical to the whole plot. But the question I have for you is, at at what point do you think you were invested? Was it in the introduction when you met the characters? Or was it when your two characters came into some trouble and you started to get a bit more invested then? Or was it at the top of the of the plot line where the characters, something bad happens and that critical moment happens? Or was it actually in the conclusion where you realise that everything is okay? At what point in the movie would you say you were invested? And here's another question. At what point do you think someone becomes Christian? At what point do you think that someone begins to be invested in the Christian story? Is it when someone starts to want to visit a church? Or when someone wants to read their Bible? Or when someone first asks for forgiveness for their sin? Or when they're filled with the Holy Spirit? Or what if someone is seeking God, but they're in this fog of unbelief? When is that aha moment going to come? See, it's almost like that. Becoming Christian is similar to the experience of watching a movie. You're kept until you're not sorry, you're kept from knowing the aha moment until the perfect time. But how do we feel about the idea when that plays out in real life? Are we comfortable with the idea of knowing that God keeps knowledge of him from us? Not because we don't know any better, but God keeps us from perceiving spiritual things. The idea of spiritual blindness seems at home in the Bible, and even the beautiful song Amazing Grace has the lines, I was blind, but now I see. For Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14, The person without the Spirit does not accept things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are only discerned through the Spirit of God. Essentially, God's wisdom is hidden to us to a certain extent. Sometimes when we read the Bible, it feels like we're just reading pages and nothing is ticking, or we can't fathom the extent of the mystery of the universe. Or we we stuck on the question of why did Christ have to be crucified of all things? What happens when we're consumed in a terrible time and we can't recognise Christ in the midst of the suffering that we're experiencing? How could a good God let this happen? 
and we do not recognise the face of Christ then. Often we can't perceive the work of God in us and around us. Before, if we're Christian today, before we put our faith in Christ, there was a time when we were spiritually blind and did not recognise Christ. And if today, if if you're exploring Christianity, you might feel like you're in this fog, in this blindness, and things aren't just making sense. The Gospel writer Luke is fascinated with the way people come to have faith in God, especially in the account of resurrection, as we read last week, the women who come to the empty tomb, and then today the people, uh, sorry, the disciples were sceptical and did not come to faith by the recount of the women. And today we read the road to Emmaus from verses 13 to 35. This story acts as a bridge between the disbelieving apostles to the appearance of Christ again when they have faith in him. So as we read, as Daryl read out in verse 13, Now that same day, on the same Easter Sunday, the two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about the events of that happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up, and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognising him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still and their faces were downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? These two disciples were walking together, trying to comprehend the very traumatic events that they would have witnessed. And they would have been asking the questions that someone who's exploring Christianity would have asked. Why did Jesus have to die? And how could this gruesome death be a part of God's plan? But in no dramatic fashion, Jesus comes and walks beside them. In the Greek, it says that their eyes were seized as so they did not recognise him. They were walking in this fog of doubt and they were in the presence of the risen Lord. Just let that sink in for a moment. They were in the fog of doubt and the risen Lord was standing right next to them. But if we think about it for a moment, they've always been in this state of spiritual blindness Even whilst they were with Christ, they didn't have him as the risen Lord. So they were still holding on to their Jewish idea and their Jewish faith. So technically they were still spiritually blind and they should have not recognised Christ as well. But there is that idea that their blindness is divinely imposed as well. They were kept from recognising him. And as it follows, Jesus does not interrupt Cleopas. He lets him tell his story and he lets him recount his version of events. What things, Jesus asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, he replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. You can sense his tone of bitterness in this little bit. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all of this took place. 
In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but did not find his body. They came and told us that they had a vision of angels who said he was alive. And some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as women had said, but did not find Jesus. Here we see what human blindness looks like from the perspective of God. First, Cleopas accuses Jesus of being a clueless outsider. And he's recounting these events to the one that all the events surrounded upon. And he is so close, but he only can bear to call this Jesus fellow a prophet. He misses the mark. And secondly, Cleopas is hoping this Jesus guy would take over the Romans. See, in, in his eyes, without his spiritual eyes, he was hoping to see a political liberation that would be instant, that the Romans would be pushed out of Israel. In his perspective, how could a bloody, gruesome, horrific, traumatic crucifixion fit into that idea? And it's interesting that Cleopas could recite all these events quite accurately, but that wasn't enough to give him faith. I think of those times when you meet people and you're surprised that they've read the Bible. There's people in your workplace and you start talking, oh yeah, I'm Christian, and they're like, oh yeah, I've read the Bible. Just an off comment like that. I find that so fascinating that people can have read the Bible, read church history, but still not believe. So here we see that person in Cleopas. He was trying to piece it all together, but he needed help. Jesus said to them, how foolish you are, and how slow to believe all the things the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, stay with us, for it's nearly evening, the day is almost over. So Jesus went in and stayed with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognised him. And he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, weren't our hearts burning within us while he talked about with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognised by them when he broke the bread. So it is possible. God opened their eyes and they recognised Christ. But how did God lead them to that belief? Jesus didn't perform a crazy miracle in front of them to spur their faith in an instant. No, instead he interpreted the scriptures and pointed out everything concerning him, and he ate with them. And here we see that Jesus probably shares a similar story to what Cleopas did, 
but Jesus has a completely different take and contextualises his crucifixion with the backing of all the prophecies that come from Moses and every book of the New Testament that point to him. It would be fascinating to have witnessed this conversation of Jesus pointing out his role description and being like, yep, I completed that, yep, that was going to happen, yep, no worries, all good, took care of that one, don't worry about that one. And then he would follow the trail all the way up to, yes, I did need to die to be the Messiah, the one that would redeem Israel. But Cleopas in his eyes thought of political liberation, Jesus in his spiritual eyes I'm going to conquer sin and death. And it's important to note that Jesus, at this time, they only would have had the Old Testament scriptures. I don't know about you if you've ever thought that the Old Testament is irrelevant or that you just don't, it's not really important, or if you find it boring to read. I know I've definitely had all those thoughts too. But I was reading this and I thought it was so interesting that Jesus went through the Old Testament. Did you know that in 144 AD, there was an early church theologian called Marcion, I hope I pronounced that right, but he wanted to completely reject the Old Testament. Whilst he claimed to preach the gospel and was a follower of Paul, he said that he preached that the benevolent God of the gospel who sent Jesus Christ was not indifferent and opposed to the creator God of the Hebrew Bible. By rejecting the importance of the Old Testament, this theologian, in his teaching and his preaching, began to become very allegorical, so he'd tell stories. He began to think Christ was revealed as a man, but not a man. And he didn't really think that Jesus died on the cross. The early church fathers were quick to disregard this prophet and this theologian. But isn't that interesting that by disregarding the Old Testament, his thought of who Jesus was was completely warped? I think for us today, the Old Testament is still important. And if Christ goes to the Old Testament to reveal who he is, I think that is something for us today as well. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 to 16, Paul says this when he's talking about Moses veiling his face before the Israelites. But their minds were made dull, for it is to this day that the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ it is taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, so when the Old Testament is read, a veil covers their hearts, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So here these two disciples were walking next to the Lord. Jesus is about to go, and they're like, no, Jesus, come and stay with us. Please, come and stay with us. They turned to the Lord, and this veil of the scriptures was lifted from their face. Another way that we can understand how, Jesus, how God reveals Christ to us 
is through meals of fellowship. As they welcome Jesus in, Jesus is there with bread, and he breaks it, and he blesses it, and he gives it to them. Does that sound familiar? Although this could represent the Last Supper, the communion meal, there is no wine present. So it could be interpreted as it could represent the Last Supper, or it could just be simply breaking of bread, so eating together. Either way, Jesus is there sharing a meal with them, and that is the point that they recognise him. That is the point that God reveals who Christ is. This is interesting. If we take this as an application, what do you think that means for someone in our life who is exploring God, who is exploring the scriptures, but for all of that to be recognised and understood at a meal? And it's interesting for us today that as we think about the importance of the Old Testament, that Christ chose to reveal himself over communion and of sharing bread with each other. Today I feel like we can partner with God in helping people to see Christ, although we know that it is purely and only the work of God who can lift that spiritual veil and that people can finally see him. But Jesus takes the time to expound the scriptures with these two travellers and he takes the time to have a meal with them as well. So I pray that is our application this week. That our ourselves, if we haven't been in the Old Testament for a while, or if we've never touched it, maybe we should. Maybe we should with the lens of Christ and pray that, that we would be able to see God, that we would be able to follow the little cookie trail that points to the crucifixion and points to the cross. And if there is someone in our life who we know who is seeking Let's take the time to talk with them about the Bible and talk with them about the scriptures. And if they are interested in that, may they come over to our house for a meal. May we be praying before, during and after that meal that Christ would somehow be revealed and that Christ would be recognised as his spirit is felt amongst his believers. I think this is why I'm so excited about Alpha, because it fits these two things into it. Yeah, and as a church, if we could be praying for that, that eyes would be opened, that as the Alpha course goes on, that we would be able to see people have that aha moment as they've been invested in the Christian story, that God would meet them at the perfect time, that they would come and recognise him. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you that, as Mandy said, Lord, that in the midst of everything, you are walking right beside us, God. God, I pray that if there's areas in our faith or just in general, Lord, where we feel spiritually blind, God, we ask that you would help us to see, help us to perceive spiritual things, Lord. Help us to see what is good around us, God, and what has your fingerprint all over it, Lord. And as we go into this week, Father, help us to read your word, read the Old Testament, 
to share it with another person and to invite them over for a meal, Lord. And may we see a miracle happen right before our eyes, God. And we thank you for the Alpha course, God, and we pray that this is a time where we will actually see this happen, Lord, where people would recognise that you are the Christ, that you are the risen Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that you have been blessed by the message. Windsor Road Baptist Church is a growing intergenerational and international community of people committed to whole life discipleship. Please visit us at windsorroad.org.au to connect with us and to learn more about our church.